All right. How are we doing? Everybody take a deep breath, and I'm going to tie this all together and put a beautiful little bow on it. So if you guys um, stay with me, don't go into kind of passive mode. I want you, because you guys are ripe in the spirit right now. I can feel your spirits are open, so don't close them. Don't go into just kind of, we're going to listen to Derek talk. I'm going to talk to you prophetically for the last 30 minutes, is all right? So I want to tell you and interpret for you what God's doing here, and I'm going to do it through the gift of discerning a spirit. So it was interesting. I was thought, well, Lord, how are you going to, how are you going to demonstrate this tonight? And um, uh, I was back in the back just greeting a brother who's been sick, and God's raised him back to life. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, right in the middle of conversation, the Lord just butted right in, and I totally got distracted, totally tuned him out, by the way. Uh, sorry, I love you, bro. Um, but uh, anyway, and uh, I began to just sort of, I began to see into the Spirit. And then, of course, you know, when we came up here and we started, now, you know I love you playing, right? So if you want to play, you keep playing, but if you're tired, you can stop. Okay, it's up to you. Uh, I'll never turn good piano playing down, but it's up to you, bro. All right, so anyway, um, Ian, uh, if you're going to stay up there, can somebody grab that brother a stool? He's going to need it. You, you guys pay him a little extra, bro. All right, so here's the thing. We, uh, we, um, we came up here and we started exhorting. We, we said, you know, um, God's going to move. We started calling into faith, and then you guys started to step into something. And what we need to understand is, I want to read to you really quickly out of Acts, and I want to pull the last four weeks and really the last year for you into something that I think you can take, that you can take a hold of, that you can grab a hold of it, and that you, be, you can begin to take action on it as a body. But I think um, what's powerful about what came forth tonight um, is that in the process, the Lord has begun to, over the last year, He started it, you know, with the word that Barry and Diane gave on the day we were just talking about. And um, in the process, that, sorry, I turned it off. Um, in the process of all that, um, God began to do something then that He's really only now beginning to bring definition to a year later. And this is how God works in the Spirit. And, and if I can, and I'm not trying to be contentious or anything like that, but this is how God works in the Spirit. This is why when He, he pulls together a spiritual people that can start to learn how to discern and operate in the Spirit realm. And so a year later, uh, really uh, in the last four weeks, these themes started emerging in our time together. And I want to pull a passage of Scripture right now that's going to, I believe, tie everything that we've talked about together tonight and really what started in the Word. And, and if you'll give me a little prophetic liberty, I'm going to, I'll connect some of the discerning spirits to it, and we'll even bring a, a little bit into the gift of faith. We'll start it tonight. But in Acts 2, Peter had just finished a very powerful message where he concludes just after the day of Pentecost, and he says in verse 40, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them. Right after that he says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now we don't know 
how much time, at least I don't know, how much time passes between Acts 2.41 and Acts 2.42. But within that length of time, something very supernatural laid a hold, took hold of the people between verse 41 and verse 42. And in verse 42 you see, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe, remember that we said a couple weeks ago, wonder, awe. I forget what, Dave used a different word on Sunday morning following that. But great awe came upon every soul and what happened and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and look at the result of what happened look at the foundation that was laid in order for that to take the evidence was that and all who believed were together and had all things in common and we could take tonight and we could really expound upon that a lot, but he goes on to say, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, modern churchianity takes that and makes it about house churches. But it really doesn't have much to do about house churches at all. What it has to do with is the fact that they came into the revelation of having all things in common. So I would like to invite you to take out your credit cards right now. No, I'm kidding. But I think what we need to understand is that the now we don't know how they got the revelation i'm going to submit to you that it's my personal opinion that nobody got up and gave acts 242 offerings or anything like that i don't think that there was any compulsion among the leaders of that body to get people to come into a commonality like that where they would lay i believe it was a supernatural work of god and it is a picture of what god is saying to this body you know, a year ago, the word comes forth, Brandon talked about it Sunday morning, and he starts to talk about an inheritance that we're going to lay a hold of. But may I submit to you tonight that that has very little to do with your personal inheritance. It has everything to do with the inheritance that this body is called into, that the Lord will only release as this body comes into that supernatural oneness. Now, the good news is you can't make that happen. There's nothing in your ability and your flesh or your knowing or my knowing or anybody's knowing. There's, there's really no amount of exhorting that can happen from the pulpit. Our part in that is to say, Lord, I'm willing. Our part in that is to offer the Lord our submission and to come into agreement with what he's saying in that and allow ourselves to be added to that equation. But in the Spirit, the Lord defines what the commonness is. But, but can I submit to you that possibly the greatest miracle of all is to get 3,000, if you will, probably 3,000 some, I think there was 120, right? So there's probably at least another 3,300 there, if we could just maybe guess. 
Can I submit to you that the greatest miracle of all is 3,300 selfish people coming together and suddenly not being selfish anymore? I'm telling you that. I'm not even saying that to be a cliche. That is a work of God. That's near impossible. I mean, you can't even get your husband to agree with you half the time, right? And so, but what I'm saying is, this is the kind of oneness, this is the kind of witness that the church begins to bring forth, that begins to offer the revelation of the manifold wisdom of God when we can take the individual, we can surrender it to the whole and begin to move as a whole. I'm going to tell you what that inheritance is. I won't tell you all of it because I don't know all of it. But I'm telling you the reason why God began to birth the desire for the miraculous and for healing really over a year ago. I know Barry started chasing it probably two years ago when I was talking to him. We started having elders meetings. We were laying hands on people. We're beginning to believe for it then. But just like Joseph was prophesying his own promotion the second time the baker and the cook came to him, I believe that the Lord was prophesying into this body a year ago that part of that inheritance he's going to release is the gift of faith. You just tapped into it tonight. We, we went to a dimension in the Spirit where we connected with something and God released revelation as His response. This is why, if, 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 if I can just share my heart with you, if I, can, if I can encourage and exhort you to come out of the Sunday morning church thing, get rid of it. Because the moment we start stepping into, by faith, the realities and the dimension of the Spirit, God begins to release the supernatural and revelation and we start coming into inheritances we never knew we had simply because out of our hearts, we are, we, are, we are getting free of the spirit of the age that so often permeates in a lot of institutional churches. And, and so what I'm trying to tell you is if you can shake loose this idea that we're a part of this church institution that just does its thing, every, and, and if, you, if you understand that in spite of all that, and I'm not anti-buildings and all that, that's not what I'm saying. It's this mindset we get into this, this culture we, that we just kind of drift into where we just go through the norm. We come in here on a Wednesday night and we just sing our three songs. I'm a priest. We're probably, probably going to do some ministry. It's this mentality that we're not aware and conscious and our minds haven't been elevated into the, into the realities of the Spirit because we're tuned off. We have the, the, radio, the car radio tuned off, so to speak. But, but God is moving every time. And so... So what I'm saying is, what he's doing in this body is he's causing a revelation of oneness to begin to move. And what that looks like is, suddenly people come to a, an assembly or a gathering and they're focused less on what are you going to do or what have you done for me lately? And suddenly we come in going, we need to come take our place within an assembly because God's going to be here and he's going to release something revelatory, some dimension of the spirit that he's going to bring us into that will have an impact in the earth. Do you know why he wants to release faith here? Because the world needs what that faith is going to produce. 
has nothing to do with bragging rights or because you're so spiritual because you've moaned and groaned and travailed for three or four years. No, it's because he has something he needs to do in this region and beyond, and he needs a church that will grab a hold of what they have been appropriated in the Spirit as far as an inheritance goes. But we have to first understand that the doorway to receiving is always the door of oneness. This is the problem. This is where we miss it in church. We miss it because we are under the influence of, and I'm going to just say it because you can get mad at me all you want. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I will offend all of you at some point. But I'm going to tell you right now, as much as I love America, it is a spirit that, that most of the church falls under this American dream and, and the, the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, and I get all that, but I don't care a thing about America when I start looking at the kingdom of God. And I'm as patriotic as they come. I'm not anti-America. What I'm saying, though, is what we have to understand is this individualistic mindset that this creates in us is we come in here focused on ourselves, and the Bible says he wants to make you Christ-conscious, not self-conscious. And so when the Word is really active and powerful like a two-mouthed sword, what begins to happen is He elevates me out of my self-consciousness and my focus on myself all the time. And then we don't help things by always drawing attention to you all the time. At some point, we have to come up and say, just like we did tonight, I promise you, there, it, it, is, it is absolute impossibility. Can you just hear what, and, and trust me in what I'm saying? It is impossible for you to exalt and magnify God and not have your needs met. Do, do you know that if we, if we come in here and we begin to exalt and allow the Lord to set our mind and our consciousness on the realities of the Spirit, your depression will drop off of you like nobody's business. Because you can't be in the presence of the King and remain the same way. It really is the truth. And so what's happening is there's an identity coming forth in the Spirit over this body, and all of us are going to have to answer the question, what will I do with it? Because on one hand, the temptation will always exist for us to hang on to what we've always known because it took us a lot of energy and pain to get there. But on the other hand, he has to take us and lead us into uncharted territory that's usually going to require walking on water at some point when we'd rather stay in the boat. What I'm talking to you is not hypey, let's get you all emotionally excited, but there's no substance to it. I'm telling you, there is a reality of the Spirit where this church will begin to move principalities in this region. I, I'm not saying that to just get you super pumped up emotionally. I'm telling you that Ephesians 6, the entire book of Ephesians was written to the ecclesia more than it was the individual. So collectively, we have to understand that having done all, therefore, to stand, we stand as a body, not as one. You come into the promise of learning how to displace darkness when the body emerges as a witness to the spirit of the world that we say we utterly reject your influence and your principles and all of the things that you say are valuable and we put down the wisdom of the world and we take up the wisdom of God that begins to operate through a body that he's bringing together and connecting together and as we begin to flow in oneness we literally 
really start to release inheritance to us because we're ready and we, we learn to take on the influence of demons in a region. You, talk, you start talking about regional purpose. I'm going to tell you what that regional purpose is every single time. There are unique things about it here in Lakeland, but the regional purpose always starts with people being liberated from principalities, powers, and things that operate in spiritual places. And the way that that regional purpose happens is that there is a gospel that confronts, that has to go forth, and it has to offend people. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I don't ever try to make people mad, but if there is not a gospel that starts to make people uh, set their teeth on edge in the spirit, because it's confrontational. And you know why it's confrontational? Because it confronts the influence of the world in our lives. And so in, when the gifts of the spirit, the very first thing that starts to happen is when we start to set things in order in the house in a spiritual order, then what will begin to happen is where principalities have begun to resist the spirit in a body. And this is what you felt for a while. There's been a lot of resistance here. I'm just, can I just use an example? I mean, there was a point in time where I literally saw demons working against Allison to pull her out of her purpose here. And so this is what the enemy does, is he, the, they're working overtime in this region to cause people to abort their purpose. Now we could get into all that later, but I'm telling you, all of us have a purpose. This church has a purpose, and that purpose is to liberate people from the powers and principalities that exist in high places. And you see the effect of that through the demonic doctrines that people begin to believe that are in their minds, that have taken a hold of their minds, and the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel with a demonstration of the Spirit's power begins to rescue their mind and liberate their mind. And this is why everywhere Paul went, he was creating controversy and crowds were getting all stirred up because he was rescuing and liberating people out of the hold of demonic powers. And it's not that everybody's demon-possessed, it's that in your thinking, you've been taught by demons. All of us have. If you're watching TV, if you're, if you're engaging in the world to any significant degree, you are under the influence of demons. And I, and I know that's not popular to say in church, but this is why we really do have to guard because, because we can become so infected with the, with the wisdom of the world and not even realize it. And so what it takes is a body. And you know what the cure for that is? I'll tell you what it is. It's a body where everyone's in place where suddenly you begin to start speaking just like Peter did. What did Jesus say to him? Uh, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. He started talking to the demon that was talking through people. And I don't know that he was possessed. I'm just saying his mind became enraptured with something that some demon spoke to him and he didn't even realize it. And, and again, my goal is not to get us all folks sidetracked on the demons, but what I'm saying is God is looking for an ecclesia everywhere that will begin to resist the spirit of the age. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about all the stuff in governments yet. I'm talking about all the stuff that comes to church. Now, I, I mean, you, you understand that, that, that the moment on, on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God moved, the enemy and the principalities immediately started working against that. I mean, almost immediately you start to see corrections starting to have to be made all the time. Because they don't like that. Alright, so I want to I leave you with a couple thoughts here. The effectiveness of the body and what I think God's really doing. So let me recap, recap here because I know I'm jumping around all over the place. 
if I could if I could summarize what's happened here tonight and what God is continuously saying, Acts 2.42 on is the thing that the Lord is emphasizing the most is oneness. When these home meetings start that Brandon was talking about, the goal in these meetings is oneness. The goal is to learn how to function. And, I, and can I just tell you, Lord, can I, let me just pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, will you put people together with people that irritate them so they can learn to grow through it and learn how to love the right way come on now it ain't all jesus i'm i'm saved and wonderful when i'm singing allison's song you got to learn how to love the people next to you and god's going to put the people that really get on your last nerve right this guy hates me here i think and i chase him down every chance i get i, I make him so uncomfortable and i'm not doing it to be mean i don't know if he hates me but but I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, but because no, it's not an option for you to behave like that. So can I just, can I help you out here? Let me help you out here. All right, ready? If any of you in this room don't like me, then you're posturing yourself as, as your enemy, as my enemy, then just know I'm waiting for my blessing because the Bible says you're called to bless me. And I'm waiting. Folks, the... The, the greatest strategy of the enemy is to put people inside a building and keep them individualistic. Uh, this is why I just, I, I pray uh, and, and I believe that worship is going to happen here. And, and what I heard Sunday, and we've already been moving toward, there's no slam against Allison or anything like that. But I'm telling you, something has to change in the DNA of this worship. And I'll tell you, it's not as much about the songs or what they're doing or any of that. It's that people have to switch off this idea that I'm coming into a worship service and it's me and God. No, it's not. That's your prayer closet before you ever get here. When you walk into this building, you are joining hands with every single person in the Spirit and we are moving a direction together. Right? And so the biggest thing that happens is a lot of activity goes on in a churches all across America, but Jesus really is not a lot of real witness to principalities and heavenly places happen because the body stays a bunch of people gathered together as individuals and they never step into what it means to be one. The realities of heaven, the things that God releases in the Spirit happen when a body postures itself and they begin to lose and become delivered and get set free and repent of individualism and they start stepping into the corporate whole of what God is doing. I, I can't teach you into that. Your obedience only opens the door for it. And that, but once he does, just like you came into the kingdom, the Lord will begin to write the revelation of it on the inside of your spirit, man. And you may not be able to quantify it all with very verbose prose or romantic language, but you will know and something in your heart will begin to connect and reverberate in the rhythm that God is releasing in this body. Are you with me on that? So in Acts 2.42, and on, I want, to, I, want, I want to challenge you as we leave, you know, in a few moments later, to go back and pour over this word. Because what God is doing is He's bringing us into one mind and one heart, and what He's got to do is set a bunch of individuals free, and He's got to set them free into oneness. And I'm going to tell you that part of the inheritance, the biggest part, I'm going to tell you that, 
is God wants to drop and is going to drop the spirit of faith in this body. Not so, again, not, not about bragging rights, carnality, and, making, and giving us the need to feel special. No, because you do not step into regional purpose without faith. You do not step into the witness that we are called to be as an ecclesia to principalities, and we are declaring in our worship the manifold wisdom of God when in my mind I'm worried about how my bills are going to get paid, but yet my spirit rises above that and begins to worship and honor and, and seat Jesus at the place that he deserves to be seated in our assembly. And when a people begin to do that, this is why, if you notice in Revelation, and I'll, I, I know I could probably go on for hours here, but I know if you, if, you, if you look in the book of Revelation, there's such an oddity here that's mind-blowing. It's so contrary to the modern gospel, it's, it's, um, it's staggering. What you see in just about every one of these letters to churches is a persecuted church. What you don't see it's Jesus saying, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. It, it, it is. I, I'm weeping with you right now. I, I just feel you. No. He says, hey, endure to the end. He calls them. Why, why, why did he do that? Was he heartless and uncaring? No. Because he knew the spirit that he had put on the inside of them, and he was calling it forth, and he said, endure to the end. I've given you everything you need to stand. Now go stand. He was instilling courage, just like that general before the army's kind of whipping them up and, and give, them that, give them that rallying cry. That was essentially what Jesus endured to the end, and you will receive the crown of life. And so what he's got to begin to do here, and I don't, I don't want you to think I'm trying to minimize, I'm just trying to say that there is a time when we learn how to war in the Spirit together. Now what warring means, again, according to the biblical definition, is having armed yourself with all of the items of spiritual armor as a body. What? We war by standing in the rest that comes in the armor that God's clothed. We wield the sword of the Spirit. We wield the belt of truth. We wield all of that in the metaphor. And we stand strong. All we have to do is stand together and we win. When we try to war as the world wars, we lose because we demonstrate that we're operating in the spirit of the world. This is why when he begins to move in the body and he calls us closer, I think Jonathan and one other started talking about going into the deep. This is what he's calling for. So I want to challenge you, and I, I just feel, uh, I feel like I just need to keep saying this a lot because it's still moving in me, but I want to challenge you to lose the cultural Christianity that most of us have been living in, get rid of that, because that's just a distraction. And what do I mean by that? It's this mindset that has you living out this religious routine all the time. But understand that when this body meets, do, do you guys understand that when an ecclesia, it's not about church services, it's about when the people of God come together, they are assembled in the assembly, heaven is witnessing, the great cloud is witnessing, and we are beginning to legislate the will of God into the earth. And by legislate meaning, by divine revelation, we begin to comprehend and discern what God is saying in the heavenly realms, and we begin to declare it in the earth. And it's not just about speaking, it's about practicing the truth in love. He releases the revelation necessary to cause us to walk as a body in such a way that it pushes back and displaces the influence of demons in regions. 
This is why Peter wanted to cut off an ear with the sword, but Jesus put the ear back on because that is the world's way, right? Force, the, the violent t- try to take the kingdom by force, right? But, but Jesus won and he conquered by living in, in the opposite spirit, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the girl. He literally conquered the world. I have overcome the world. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What? I've overcome the world. And how did he overcome the world? By living and walking in the opposite spirit, the wisdom of God that says I can conquer nations by dying for it. And so in a sense, we are strengthened as a body and we come into supernatural strength when we shun the the, the wisdom of the world and the weapons of the world and we come into oneness as a body. It's antithetical. The the wisdom of the world says, I scratch and claw to get my, 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 my way to the top. I need to be promoted. I need to be seen. I need to do everything I can. I need to serve as hard as I can so one day I can get servants of my own. And then all of that is a world's wisdom that says, I'm only going to get to the top because in your job, most people want to climb that corporate ladder. Jesus says, no, the most spiritual, powerful weapon you have is to take the form of a servant in your heart and to authentically love through serving, not ruling and dominating. And so that's what, that's what becomes the witness to principalities. And, and so the spirit of faith beginning to be released in this body comes as we begin to lay aside all of these things that we've lived in our mind and we begin to start to discern in the Spirit. Now let me close us out by talking a little bit about the discerning of spirits. And let me just, let me, if, you, if you'll let me, um, and I'm not going to go through all of the book, so I apologize for that, but I do want to tell you a couple things tonight that are super important about the discerning of spirits, and I want to give you a few closing thoughts of, uh, on the gift of faith, and then we're going to circle back around it on its right week. But the thing that you have to understand about discerning of spirits is, first of all, it is the ability to spiritually discern what spirit is operating. I mean, that's as simple as I can make it. Um, This is a gift that I operate in quite frequently. If you are sensing, if you were sensing tonight, and how many of you are kind of feeling the resistance in the worship? You were operating in the discerning of spirits when you were feeling that. And what you need to understand is the discerning of spirits is the, again, these are not natural talents. They're not natural motivations or none of that stuff. The Bible says gifts of grace. Grace is a divine empowerment that enables you to be able to do something that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to do without it. Paul said, I'm an apostle because of the grace given to me to be one. The gifts of the Spirit are actually gifts of grace, gifts of endowments of grace that will supernaturally enable you to be able to operate. And so the gift of discernment, discerning of spirits, is perhaps one of the greatest testimonies to the fact that this is a gift that operates entirely in the Spirit. Now what it does is it allows you, in essence, to be able to discern the Spirit behind anything, really, But again, I can't choose necessarily when it operates. It still requires the the unction of the Holy Spirit to manifest that gift. I don't just necessarily turn it on and decide to say, let me discern what angels and demons are here all the time. No, I I can't really have that control over it. But what I can do is is yield to it, and when he allows me to, uh, begin to discern the spirit that I can. 
But what you're going to find in the gift of discerning of spirits is this. What we started to enter into tonight was opened by that gift. We started to discern collectively, many of you did. You discerned what was operating or what was limiting the spirit here. And it started me, remember, uh, the prince of Persia resisted. And, and, and these princes still, and these principalities still resist today. This is why sometimes when you, we feel like we're, we're not going anywhere, there's active resistance. Now the way they resist is they keep your mind focused on things below. They keep you earthly. The only way you pull out of the influence of that kind of stuff is you have to set your mind on things above. And so they work because they keep us limited. It's like we're supposed to be eagles, but we're running around like chickens, right? We're, 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 we're grounded on the earth when we're supposed to be flying and soaring the heights, right? So what the discerning of spirits does is it allows us corporately to begin to discern what is moving in a corporate body. So one of the things that you'll see in an assembly is people with the gift will start to discern. Prophets do this all the time. It's like we've constantly got our thumbs to the wind, discerning where the wind's blowing and what it's doing. But, but I believe, again, all of these gifts are meant for the body. They're not meant for superstars. You carry these gifts. Some of you do. And, and when we begin to operate them, suddenly Allison's wondering, why in the world is nobody in here... Um, raising their hand why are they all looking at their watches and, and making posts on facebook and then we're up here worshiping well what happens is that gift of the spirit can kick in somebody can recognize it step up and say all right now folks we're being resist like we did tonight and suddenly we get free into something and now all of a sudden god's releasing words about the gift of faith coming into our body that's how this gift practically operates so what happens now is, it's not about superstars. I mean, somebody, it doesn't take the prophet or anybody to do or the apostle or anybody. This is about somebody sitting in the audience discerning what God's doing something. And so tonight, I started praying about the gift of faith, not because I was necessarily prophesying about it, because I was discerning it in the spirit that the gift of faith was part of an inheritance that God is releasing to this body, and we're stepping into the season for that. This is not a correction. This is a job well done. This is like a, you're, 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 we're graduating in the spirit. This is good. We're coming to places and God is responding by releasing. This is really good. Now, the further you go into this, I mean, how cool is that? She's here a year ago writing something into her Bible. We're here tonight. It gets brought up all of a sudden. Boom. Those are small witnesses to what God is doing, the activity of the Spirit. It's beautiful. And so what I want to help you to understand is, so what about the gift of discerning of spirit? So let me just say one big thing, if you don't remember anything else. The, the, the gift of discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. If you're suspicious, you're not operating in a gift, you're in your flesh. Can I just say that discerning by the spirit is not the same thing as being suspicious there is no, I'm suspicious in the spirit, right? Suspicion is a work of the flesh. And so what we have to do is learn the distance. I, in my cynicism, could be tempted to be suspicious of everybody, right? If you've been hurt and wounded by people, you are suspicious. And, and might I add, that's something you need to get set free of. You need, to, you need to come out of agreement with that and put that down as a work of the flesh and come out of agreement with that and come into agreement with the love of God. But there is the gift of the discerning of spirits. Then um, 
there is the natural or the supernatural ability to begin to discern that you and I learn and that we begin to mature as we operate and live by the Spirit. You, you realize the goal of Christianity, right, is to get you living Spirit first, out of your Spirit. That means that your, your motivations start to be authored by the Spirit that's working in you, not your own fleshly appetites. Maturity is measured, in my my opinion, by how deep you are making the Spirit of God first in your life. And the evidence of that will be how well you love people. Right? But, so if I could say three things, the first is natural discernment. We can learn principles, worldly principles, that will essentially all the world operates in, and, and, and they are, in a way, will train our discernment but understand that the highest level of natural discernment is always humanly focused. And it's always authored by humanism. We don't want human discernment, really. What we want is supernatural discernment that's operated out of the wisdom of God. That wisdom is only made known to us as we hide the word in our heart. Your, your ability to discern, every believer has an ability to discern as we begin to allow the washing of the water of the word to begin to change our souls and heal our souls, we will begin to think more like God because we, begin to, we've, we have been trained by his word of truth, the word saturated life, right? And so we can begin to learn and to discern spiritually. Now because of the Holy Spirit in you, I would submit to you that all of us have some ability to comprehend spiritual things. I don't think that this is necessarily something that's reserved for special forces. I believe everybody in the kingdom should learn how to exercise your spirit to the point where you are discerning spiritually. How many of you knew, I mean, this is the easiest one. That's probably a trick question, though. You're watching something on TV, and you feel like the spirit of that's wrong. Good, you're stopping somewhere. But understand, everything that's on TV is authored by the spirit of the world, right? Some of it carries greater, I don't know, demonic power than others. But in the end, what is produced through humanism can never produce anything righteous. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily going off on your TV sets. I'm just saying that if we would, to the degree that we are able to come out of the influence of the spirit of the world, that is the level where we are handicapped and we can go no further into the spirit until we crush it. This is why we talk about mixture. And so the discerning of spirits, oftentimes, I believe, its greatest usage in the body is to help people, especially when it operates, to become free to determine what is operating. I can tell you one of the most practical uses of that when i'm sitting down talking to people they're talking about praying themselves like demon the, the devil has absolutely been knocking on their door and he is absolutely trying to blow their house down like the wolf and i'm sitting there going you poor thing that's the holy spirit working in your life and so what the whole what what discerning a spirit does is is it helps you to understand what spirit is operating now i, I think i told you guys this story maybe one time before but i'm gonna say it one more time I had a dream one time, and the Lord, a lot of times, some of the, some of the most coolest training I've gotten in the Spirit are the Lord has given me dreams where He trained me in some dynamic of the Spirit. I'll, I'll, this is one of the best examples I could give you. I, I get invited to this dinner party. It was somebody I knew. 
You, you walk in the house and everything's just overdone and over the top. I'm like, my gosh, this lady has a flair for the theatrical. Everything is just outrageous. And we sit down at this big ornate table, and it looked like it's one of these huge tables you see like in uh, like castles or something. Just like 30 people could sit at it, probably like 20, something like that. So we're all sitting down. We all had designated seating. You know, we're all, all dressed pretty nice. It was an auspicious occasion. And um, anyway, you know, dinner was supposed to start promptly at 6. It's now like 6.09. We're all kind of standing around musing. And the hostess comes in at exactly, I think it was like 6.10. She was just fashionably late. And she came in making such a big scene. Everybody had to stop what they were doing and talking and put their attention on her. She, the way she even walked was so dramatic. I mean, just, you know, every little thing she did just oozed drama. And I need attention and, and make sure that you're all paying me attention. So anyway, after a lot of annoying uh, self, you know, uh, paying her attention, she had everybody sit down. And incidentally, in the dream, uh, she seated me right, uh, she sat at the head of the table at the end. And I'm sitting right next to her. And I'm watching as we go out, you know, we're eating like the first course, the appetizer, everybody's talking and chattering around themselves. And then she would notice it, and then all of a sudden, she would do something outrageous to get everybody to pay attention back to her because she didn't like it because all the attention wasn't focused on her. And I remember in the dream, I'm reasoning as I'm going through this dream, and I'm like, this, this is really ticking me off. Like, my spirit was vexed. And I didn't like it. It wasn't a natural thing. I, could, I realized something was operating through her, and it was thoroughly annoying me. And before I knew it, I jumped up out of my chair. My knees landed in her plate, and I started casting a demon out of her right there in the dream, and the dream was over. Now, I woke up laughing because I'm thinking to myself, I had food all over my knees, and, this, and I remember, as I, if I remember correctly, I'm laying, she starts manifesting, and her chair goes back, and, I'm, and I think I fell on top of her. It's been years. So anyway, I just laughed. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't come out of that dream thinking anything spiritual about it until two or three weeks later, I'm at a church potluck. And I'm at the table getting some food, and this lady walks up to me, and immediately I felt the same thing that I felt in that dream. And I knew, the Lord said, I taught you how to understand and to discern, to operate in the discerning of spirits, so that whenever I felt that, I knew I was dealing with a spirit of control or a spirit. And, and so even, even after that now, when, when that gift starts to manifest, or especially when we're dealing with demonic activity, I'll start to feel that. Or if somebody really is starting to operate in a, in a strong spirit of control, I'll remember that exact same feeling that I got in that dream. I've carried that with me for the last 30 years. And so what that is is the discerning of spirits. Now there's been other times, I'm going to tell you one other thing. I was doing a, a worship team practice, 830, so I'll wind it up here. I was doing a worship team practice. The children's pastor come in, comes in and gets me. Said, "I hate to do this. Uh, I hate to interrupt, but man, I've got I've got a young adult on the floor of my office, and he's manifesting demons. I can't cast it out. Can you come do it?" And I said, "Sure." You know, we were kind of in a season in the church where where there were some wild deliverances. I mean, we prayed for one girl, and it took three of us to hold her down on the floor. She felt like she started levitating, and. Uh, but anyway, this young man's on the floor. I go in there, and I'm, and I'm feeling, I'm going to be honest, I'm feeling a little cocky. And so 
um, you know, a little arrogant. And so I'm like uh, putting on my best spiritual persona, Brandon. Come on, you know about that. No, nah, I'm messing. I, I, you know, I was feeling a little big. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I get in and I start praying and nothing's happening. And I'm going, huh, this is odd. And then so I start praying over and the guy starts talking in the voice of a demon. He told me what his name was and when he'd been in there. Well, meanwhile, the pastor was watching on the outside of the door. We had slats, just like those slats on the back there where you could peer in. Um, and so he was watching. Well, finally, he'd had enough. He opened the door and he said, Pete, get up off that floor and quit faking it. And he opened up one eye and he went, okay. And then he got up off the floor and walked out. And the Lord reminded me after uh, making, uh, allowing me to make a fool of myself. He didn't have to make a fool of me. I did that. But I remembered that. I know, right? See, I, I, want, I want you guys to know I'm not the spiritual giant you think I was. No. But, uh, but um, anyway, uh, um, and so, so I remember going off, off, off the floor. I remember thinking God told me, you know, if you would just stick to and trust what I taught you about the discerning of spirits, you won't ever get fooled like that again. All right, you guys got time for one more? All right, if you got to go and say 30, so I don't want to keep you past your time, I'll tell you one more story, all right? Oh, God help us. So I get this call. I'm on staff at Billings. This guy calls on the phone. He goes, yeah, dude, like I just got off the train. And, like, I, I just hitched a ride from, like, um, California. And, like, I, I'm pretty sure I have demons. And could you cast them out of me? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, the first thing we're going to cast out is the way you're talking. Like, that valley <laughs> speech, can't stand that. And, um, but anyway, I was like, yeah, sure, if you can get a ride up to the church, we'll pray for you. Well, he shows up about an hour later. And he, he pretty much looked like you think he would. He, he kind of like the long surfer hair, you know. Definitely was a California boy. And uh, he starts talking, and he says, I'm convinced I have demons. I think I have multiple personalities. And um, as he's talking, sure enough, he starts switching, and he starts changing entirely. He goes into totally different personalities. Now, I'm not going to get into all the theology of that, but I knew there was real demonic activity. I could sense it in my spirit. And so we began to pray. I had a couple of, uh, of, of the other associates in there with me, and we started to, um, you know, address the demon. Well, again, the pastor was standing outside of the door, looking in on the slide, and he was kind of watching it all happen. And then, you know, I, I just didn't feel like I was really getting anywhere. And so he busts in the room. He grabs the guy by his head, and he says, you come out of him, you You know, and he just yells and goes off on him. And the guy gets mad, pushes him away, and he says, I don't like you, cowboy buckaroo. Come in here with your little lasso a-swinging and your guns a-blazing. And he stormed out of the room and walked out of the building. <laughs> well, that night, we were having um, some special meetings. I don't know if you guys know who he was, but he's a guy by the name of Tim Story. And years ago, he used to he, he operated a lot in Miracles. And uh, so he was, I was leading worship for him, and this guy shows up, and I kid you not, he is wearing like a leprechaun, 
You, like he had the little green knickers and the little jacket and the little leprechaun hat. He walks up on stage to get prayed for, and Tim's story busts out laughing, says to us, go take this guy in the back and don't let him out of the room until he's, all those demons are out of him. And so he could discern by, the, by, the, by, by discerning of spirits when that was present. So let me, let me, let me end it with this. That one of the things that's predominantly starting to operate that was operating this evening is that discerning of spirits will also allow you, it feels a lot like prophecy, but it's not always prophecy. It's learning to discern what God is making available in the spirit realm. That is the discerning of spirits operating. And when you begin to understand that the gifts begin to work together and they partner with each other, then what you can start to understand is when this gift begins to operate, not as, and I'm sorry I didn't have time tonight to do it justice, but I felt like what we did was in order and that's the direction we should have gone. And maybe I'll try to come back a little bit next week and give you a little bit more chapter and verse. But what I want to encourage you with tonight is if we can begin to ignite, now let's do this, I'm going to close this out this way. And let me just make one final thought um, on the gift of faith, because I'm going to touch that. But, but I don't want you to let this go. I want you to pray into what happened here tonight, because it's significant before heaven. Because the Lord has told you what the thoughts and the intentions of are in his heart, and we need to begin to pursue that. The Lord releases the seed of a revelation. We begin to water it with our prayers and with we begin to pursue it and we begin to ask God to begin to manifest that. And why, and why is the gift of faith so necessary? Because faith, when the gift of faith is present, it will rise above every influence of a world or a demonic spirit and it will literally pull into the here and now what is heavenly. When the gift of faith begins to operate, things in the natural have to change. He interrupt, why, why the gift of faith is so powerful is this is the singular gift that literally begins to overwrite and supersede and can and will overwrite or supersede any natural law in existence. You can, there are, there are, there are powerful stories of men and women, uh, you still hear them today, they're not as prevalent, believe it or not, even though we're connected to the world, but I can tell you one, one instance where um, they, they called him Gregory the Wonder Worker, he made rivers flow up against their current, he did some of the most craziest signs and wonders, and Barry, am I right, you know who I'm talking about? And if I'm not, if I, I might be mixing him up with two different people, but I think it was Gregory that it was said of him that when he entered into the city, there were only three people was saved. When he left, there were only three people who weren't. And so what happens is when God begins to demonstrate the gospel through, when there's a demonstration, not just persuasive words, the, the gift of faith is always present. And when he begins to start causing the body to step into a higher realm of the supernatural where there's a lot of supernatural activity, it takes the gift of faith to help a body begin to translate out of the natural mindset that we're in and position us into the things of the Spirit where we can begin to enact change. And so what I want to challenge you with tonight is we have to posture ourselves and to ready ourselves as a body. And the way that we do that is we begin to renounce and come out of agreement with individualism and we allow the Lord to make us one.
And, and I, would, I would submit to you, and you know, the elders can clean up any of this if, if, if they feel like they need to, but I would submit to you that you should spend time praying uh, through, reading through Acts 2 and helping and begin to pray over this body that he would make us one and that at least in the spirit that he would cause us to have all things in common. Now, I don't think anybody's going to get up on Sunday morning and start asking for your retirement plan. But what I'm saying, when we allow God to begin to put that in our heart, he will start to make available things to us. And he's already told you what he's going to do. See, this is the thing you have to understand. He's told you, this is what I want to do. Now, our part in that is to partner with it. So he, he didn't just make inheritance up, right? So if he wants to release inheritance, he's going to do that. If he's going to release the gift of faith, all we do is posture ourselves for it. So stand to your feet. And I'll close with this. So I think the good, the good way to close, if you'll just let me, give me like three more minutes, and let's just pray a prayer together, and let's put down, if you will, the spirit of individualism and allow God to begin to put us into oneness. And I want you to commit tonight to before the Lord begin to study Acts 2.42 and he'll probably take you to other places but allow him to write that in your heart. We can't produce it in the flesh but he can posture our hearts toward it. So Father in the name of Jesus uh, I want you to repeat after me. If you want to get free and we want to settle this I want you to repeat this with me. No pressure though. So Father in the name of Jesus I renounce individualism I renounce the idea that it's all about me I renounce the idea that church is about me I renounce the idea that I'm coming to church to always get my needs met I come out of agreement with the idea that God's purpose is centered on me. And I come into agreement. I come into the purpose of the Father that's centered in His Son. I establish Jesus as both the head of my life and the head of this body. I come into agreement and I give my submission to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you now to separate me from the wisdom of the world, from the spirit of the world, and from the influence of principalities and spiritual wickedness and powers that operate in high places. I take my place in the body. I take my place. I yield my function. I accept the stewardship of my gifts and I point them toward this body. Use me, Holy Spirit, to build this body. Make my rallying cry building Building, always building. 
And so Jesus now, we, re, uh, we corporately right now on behalf of the entire body, maybe we'll even do this on a Sunday morning at some point, but we receive inheritance. We receive the gift of faith. We receive the revelation of oneness corporately. We receive everything that you're appropriating by the Spirit of God into this body tonight. We receive it and we, we commit and declare that we are going to steward that properly in Jesus' name. And we thank you. Amen. Now I want to do one last thing. Next week, uh, I got two of you. Uh, who's my little friend here? You go to SEU? All right. You guys got three seconds? Can we just pray for her real quick? Come up, come up here real quick. So I won't do a whole night. I'm not going to keep you here all night. But uh, SEU, right? What's your major? Business. Business? All right. I don't know why she's doing business. She's got a, there's a preacher in her. Huh? Huh? You do preach? All right. What's your name, sweetheart? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. All right. Everybody stretch your hand toward Kay. Lord, I, she got up there and started testifying. She owned that microphone. Now, what I love about her is there was an authority that started coming out of her. And I felt like the Lord is saying that he's going to make you a witness. Like the thing that I saw in your life is not just a testimony about your healing, but he's going to empower you to be a witness for the kingdom. Scripture says that Jesus and his disciples went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So I pray in Jesus' name for Kay that you release a true revelation of the kingdom gospel, not the American version of it. But Lord, I pray that you would raise her up to be a witness. Lord, I thank you, Father, that the word of God is near her mouth. It's coming out of her mouth and proceeding out of her mouth. Lord, I thank you that you're going to put her before people important people, and that she's going to boldly declare with that childlike faith that she has. Lord, I pray that you would cause her to never lose that childlike faith that she has. Lord, I pray that in the simple things, that Lord, you would use the simple things to confound the wise, that you would cause to come out of her life the simplicity of Christ that would confound the wisest among her. Lord, I pray, I just see this right now, Lord, that there would be a simplistic wisdom that would flow out of her in classes. Well, I just feel like she's got some, some really worldly professors. And so, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would cause a wisdom to come out of her that would even confound some of their wisdom. I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but Lord, I believe that there would be a wisdom in the spirit that would come forth out of her that would confuse the wisdom of the world. And so, Lord, I thank you for Kay. I thank you for provision in her life. Where are you from? Haiti or? Bahamas. Bahamas? Your family's still there? Yes, sir. Feel like you're going back there? No, no. My mommy doesn't think so. Doesn't think so? Are they all here or there? They're there. Okay. Father, we pray. In the name of Jesus, I see you, I see you going to nations. You've you been on a missions trip yet? Okay. You're going on a missions trip. So, Lord, we pray. We thank you, Father. In the next three years, Lord, that you open the doorway. And that, Lord, when you open the door and push her through it into the nations, she's going to become a different person. She's going to taste God's inheritance in the nations. She's going to plant her feet on the ground. And uh, something's going to come alive in her for nations. And Lord, I pray that you would use that and that you would bring her before places, that you would bring her into nations with the simplicity of the gospel and the gift of faith that she finds here. Like as dwelling among us, Lord, that you would drop it in her.
And so, Father, I thank you for resources. I thank you for provision. Lord, we call all of our school bills paid in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we pray that this word, this fiery tenaciousness that she has on the inside of her, let it come forth. Lord, I pray that she'd be such a simple, powerful witness, even among her peers at school. Lord, I pray that everywhere she would go, that she would bubble up with the revelation of God and begin to declare the excellencies of Christ. I pray that you would increase Christ in her, that you would increase the knowledge of God in her, that you would increase the wisdom of God in her in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Always be bold. Don't you dare back down. All right, love you. Thank you. All right, thank you guys. Have a good night, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.